0: In early 2018, Black Panther was released to critical acclaim and box office success. Millions turned up to see the next Marvel installment and to catch a glimpse of the first mainstream superhero movie to employ a black director in an almost exclusively black cast.
1: It's no secret, and no surprise, that a movie titled Black Panther would have some statements to make besides telling an interesting story. And at this point in history, there's no better time to make them.
0: With the election of the 45th president of the United States, many saw this as the manifestation of an open wound already present on the soul of America, a wound that has not yet been properly addressed, namely the pervasiveness of racism in American society.
1: We as Christians have been forced to take a stance, whether conscious or not, as we observe increasingly public cases of police brutality, rising hostilities, and the disproportionate economic statistics between racial groups.
0: That being said, What significance does this superhero movie hold for our local congregations? How can churches engage with the ever-increasing
1: racial tempest present in our culture? All that and more on this edition of Questions from the Pew.
0: Welcome to another episode of Questions from the Pew, the intersection of faith and culture. We're your hosts, Rikert Zalameta.
1: This is Lucas Manning.
0: And today we're joined by Emmanuel Padilla, who we affectionately call Ricky. Hey guys. Hey. He's got his MA in Systematic Theology from Trinity Evangelical Divinity School. Uh, And he's a professor of theology and cultural engagement at the Moody Bible Institute of Chicago. His thesis is titled Seeking Zion. The Gospel and the City We Make. And it's an exploration of the theology that informed the built environment in Chicago. So we're glad to have
1: you here with us today.
2: Yeah, I'm glad to be here. I'm excited to be part of what you guys are doing.
1: Yeah, so pumped. He's also a part of World Outspoken. I don't know if you mm-hmm. want to talk a little about that.
2: Yeah, so World Outspoken is uh, right now a, a website, but it'll eventually uh, include courses and um, some training material. It's for um, Christian culture makers. And so we're, we're moving away from the idea of engaging and responding to existing culture and saying if you really want to respond to a culture, the only way to do it is to make new culture. Mm. And so uh, it's myself and a friend of mine, Michael York, who's a grad student and graduate uh uh, resident uh, advisor at Wheaton College. Um, him and I have been working on that, and so far, so good. If you want to check it out, go to worldoutspoken.com, and you can
1: see some of the articles we've already posted. That's great. That's cool. great. Obviously, just a relevant topic for what we're going to talk about today, mm-hmm. everyone's favorite Marvel film, Ant-Man. Let's go... Oh, okay, not Ant-Man. I don't know, <laughs> I don't know the theme song for Ant-Man. Yeah, I, I was going to cue that. Is there
0: a theme song for Ant-Man? I don't think, I don't think so. so. <laughs> we'll go with the Avengers. It
2: does have yeah. a great soundtrack, though.
1: Ant-Man does? The
2: new one does. Oh, fair enough. Lots of hip-hop.
0: Okay. okay. Not anyway, what I would have expected from Ant-Man. No.
2: It's that Black Panther influence. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking, of, Speaking of which,
1: the actual perfect movie that we're actually talking about. <laughs> yeah, so we'll be talking a little, a little bit about it. Um, kind of how it contributes, I guess, uh, I guess, to the larger question of, um, I guess, just the topic of race in America, as well as more specifically in the church as well. Uh, so, yeah, we'll get there and, uh, yeah, see how it goes. Let's do it. Yeah,
0: um, I think uh, at the onset, we got to be honest and admit that this whole thing of racism is, is not a new problem. <laughs> um, yeah, it's not a new problem. Um, I think it's ingrained a lot of times in other cultures as well. Um, I think it's very prevalent in America just because we've got such a storied and I guess, tainted history uh, with race. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think you find racism in different pockets in different cultures of the world as well. Um, Yeah, I mean, we find it in scripture as well, right? So in Galatians, it talks about how Paul had to call out Peter because he didn't want to sit with those who were not Jews. Mm -hmm. And Paul called him out to his face like, "Uh uh-uh, can't do this, can't have this in the church. Right, right. So, yeah.
1: Yeah. And there's lots of, obviously, like a minority group in any culture is going to have some sort of story. We're mm-hmm. kind of specifically, I guess, focusing on the relationship between black and white Americans mm-hmm. here in America, uh, just because black folks do make up, I guess, the majority minority. <laughs> They're the biggest minority, mm-hmm. is what I mean. Uh, so, that's kind of the main thing we'll be talking about. Um, I guess, kind of, first to start this out, I mean, maybe some people who are listening to this podcast do not know anything about the history of America, or maybe, you know, you know, just what, Mm. you know, American school systems have taught you about the whole deal. So I guess maybe it's a good idea to kind of, I guess, align ourselves and where we are, uh, like where we are in history right now, where we've come from as a nation. Um, So obviously slavery is kind of where this whole starts off. Mm -hmm. Uh, This whole thing starts the, you know, North Atlantic slave trade, uh i don't know if we want to say that's how it started but that's definitely i guess uh america's you know beginnings right as far as yeah just racial inequality goes Mm -hmm. uh you know great civil war gets fought i guess there's still some people who are fighting that war Mm -hmm. but for the most part that's gone so slavery is abolished that's great but the thing is that doesn't end uh certainly doesn't end you know racial issues um so there's jim crow laws and there's segregation I I think most people know this part of the story. Mm -hmm. You know, can't go in the same bathroom, you know, can't sit in the same seats in the bus. Plenty of films that tell that story. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. I think where people think that it stops is in the 60s, which is when the civil rights movement obviously happens. Martin Luther King Jr., Malcolm X, all of that. Um, They get, uh, you know, desegregation is like, you know, or I guess segregation is not legal anymore. Um, So like legally... Like according to the law, like everyone's quote unquote equal. Mm-hmm. Great, so that's that's awesome, and I think that's where a lot of people think that it ends. Unfortunately, that's not where it ends. Right. <laughs> um, so there's a yeah, there's a there's a long history of lots of different ways in which white people who were in power at the time, it still are. Um, I guess we're able to keep, you know, I guess keep the noose around the neck. Um, one is redlining, which was a big thing after the, uh, World War II when vets would come home, they could get, uh, mortgage payments to buy houses, gain wealth. That's great. The thing is, um, there were, uh, they would rate certain neighborhoods. I think the colors were, uh, green, blue, yellow, red, Mm -hmm. and basically the red zones were, uh, mostly black neighborhoods, other minority groups as well. Mm -hmm. Um, but, so they weren't able to get mortgages not able to build wealth just another way that and that shapes kind of the segregation of cities that we Mm -hmm. see um so obviously that's kind of a more insidious way um another thing that i don't know if have you guys seen 13th the documentary yeah yeah it's a great one so yeah obviously that shows kind of the the new jim crow so the age of mass incarceration where basically the 13th amendment which is uh blanking here but basically uh, you can't have slaves or you won't be subject to slavery and then there's a little asterisk I guess mm. you could say um, it's a clause um, yeah, thing, yeah clause unless you know uh, they've committed a felony
0: except as a punishment for crime whereof the party shall have been duly convicted
1: there you is go language is. exactly so if you're a criminal you're essentially now you can be treated as a slave and then the whole war on drugs. We could keep mm-hmm. going for why. I guess I yep. will keep going. The war on drugs was mm-hmm. very much so targeting yeah. minority groups. And uh, not to say that they use drugs any more than white people. Mm-hmm. Maybe right. they use different drugs, um, like the, I guess the difference between cocaine and crack cocaine. Crack was really, they really like went down on it, whereas cocaine was more of a white drug, and they didn't as much. So there's a long history. I'll or even ahead. film like uh, Birth of a Nation
0: was like one of those pivotal, mm-hmm. historic, um, yeah, landmark films, not even, just broadly speaking in the world of cinema. Mm. Um, and uh, yeah, it's just the the idea that they're, like the subject matter of it was portraying the glories of the Ku Klux Klan um, and that, that area of Southern culture um, and then painting African Americans um, in the most demeaning way possible mm. um, and in an, in an era where that media was taking off it really ingrained that image of mm-hmm. the dangerous uh, the dangerous african-american in the minds of white america um, so yeah i mean that's yeah mm-hmm. sorry to interject there but
1: no no absolutely well that's i guess that's the thing is white people were in charge of writing everyone else's story. So this is what you should think about black people. This is what you should think about, you know, Asian folks. This is what you should think about, you know, Hispanic folks. Uh, So I guess, I mean, that's been the story pretty much forever here in America.
2: For a long time. It's mostly East Coast driving that Mm -hmm. narrative. I think that's important to note, right? Uh, There were Spanish immigrants on the the west side of the country in Texas, Nevada, California, Mm -hmm. uh, long before... Um, the narrative was scripted by people on the East Coast, right? Mm -hmm. I mean these, the Mexican population in in southern Mexico, or rather southern Texas, Mm -hmm. um, they became Americans in the middle of an instance in 1812, Mm -hmm. right? So they went from being Mexicans in identity to being Americans, however not being able to uh, experience the same kind of rights and experience the same kind of um, latitude that that identity gave them. Mm -hmm. and So so it's really important that it's not just an American narrative, but specifically it's been very East Coast driven, mm-hmm. um, which uh, affects Hispanics, it affects um, Native Americans who were forced that west, uh, right? The the narrative is clearly scripted from one particular angle, right. um, very uh, Western European, um, and it even it even excludes there, right? In the early eighteen hundreds, when Irish immigrants started mm-hmm. moving to the U.S., they still had to list on the census that they were Negroes. Mm-hmm. And so um, there was a very specific um, group of mm-hmm. uh, Anglo-Americans who were here in the East yeah. Coast mm-hmm. who were um, setting the rules of the right. game.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, that kind of sets sets it up. We've, we're here mm-hmm. now in the 21st century. I guess you can see kind of more recently what's going on. Uh, I guess to me, so I'll, yeah. Kind of some of the political things that are going on that you see. So you see athletes um, kneeling during the national anthem, black athletes, um, our president, I guess, attacking them on Twitter, which is interesting. So obviously these these uh, issues aren't old, but they're kind of being dug up now or being brought to light, I right. guess. Um, and so I guess that's where a lot of people seem to be uncomfortable yeah. is because now these yeah. things are surfacing.
0: I think because
1: the idea was... The
0: prevalent idea was we've moved past that problem when Mm -hmm. really it was just shoved under the rug.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: And now all these years and decades of shoving things under the rug and all of that is spilling out Mm. and it's erupting in violence like we've seen uh, in Ferguson, for example, right? Or even in, uh, yeah, in in the other ways that that you, Luke, had just mentioned. Um, So it's kind of catching up to American culture is what it is.
1: Yeah, for sure. Yeah, definitely. And it I guess we've talked about this before about how with majority culture there's never a good time to talk about it. It's like, oh, like leave like leave our sports alone or like leave our movies alone, leave our music alone. Yeah, shut up and dribble. Yeah, 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 mm-hmm. exactly. Shut up and dribble. Honestly, sometimes even leave our church services alone. So, mm-hmm. it doesn't seem like there's ever a good time. Right. Um, so I guess now's the time. <laughs> and I think historically too, the The sad part is that
0: the church, or let's say, let's even narrow that down a little bit, the American church and the Western church have for the most part part, been on the wrong side of the issue, or Mm -hmm. um, if not on the wrong side, at least silent on -hmm. the issue. Um, And there's an argument that can be made for Christians stepping up to the plate, yes, but the church as a whole, Mm I think has, uh, has missed the chance to, to, yeah, to enact that change. Um, and I think it's obviously great that individual believers have done it, but, mm-hmm. um, it's been mainly from a position outside of the church. Mm-hmm. Let's take William Wilberforce, for example, who was instrumental in abolishing slavery
1: mm-hmm. in,
0: uh, in England. The only reason he, I guess, maybe the main reason why he was able to have, that much of an effect was because of his position in Parliament. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, so like, instances like that where um, yeah, it's been left to single individuals um, instead of a collective outcry from the body of Christ I think is one of the things, at least for my end, that is most disturbing about this.
1: Mm
2: -hmm. Yeah, the story of America doesn't doesn't shine very bright on on the Christians who've been here, right? It's it's not exactly uh, something where the church can say we've dodged the bullet. We're innocent here, right? Um, mm-hmm. And I mean, there are a lot of groups who are trying to do that. I've mm-hmm. I've mentioned this before, but um, in Kentucky, in Brandenburg, Kentucky, there's a there's a monument to the Civil War uh, that talks a lot about how the Southern poor. Um, the Southerners who were poor and, and not economically sound didn't own slaves, so they're innocent. Mm. Um, and that's very much the narrative that Brandenburg mm. is pushing. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we are a town of people who were poor Southerners, couldn't afford slaves, we didn't own slaves, so we're not at fault here, right? Um, that, that, I think, extends not just socially in terms of a econo- socioeconomic group, but the church definitely has attempted to to keep out of the fray or right. or to own the individuals who, mm. who did step up mm-hmm. to say, yeah, these are our champions yeah. while mm-hmm. ignoring yeah. the larger right. implications right. of their silence yeah. or their active role yeah. in sustaining systems yeah. of um, mm-hmm. oppression or injustice. Yeah.
0: I mean, they've done that with MLK. Right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, very few people would consider him, you know, quote unquote, orthodox, evangelical, evangelical yeah. Christian. But they will. They will champion him when it yeah. comes to mm. discussions like this, as if he was mm-hmm. orthodox and he, he, as if he was, you know, classic definition of an evangelical. Christian. Yeah, I forget
2: who said it, but I, I saw on Twitter not too long ago someone said, "No one quotes M.L.K. more than white Amer oh, white American Christians," <laughs> and, and that to me seems um, un- a rather unfortunate, accurate mm. statement. Yeah. yeah,
1: for sure. Um, that... Well, I guess right because M.L.K. was like. The more, uh, I guess, peaceful of the two, and so it's like, right. hey, why don't you be like him? <laughs> like, yeah. yeah, like just take the beating and right. don't, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, that's like, so it makes sense. <laughs> yeah, totally. That that's what we quote. Well, also one thing I I thought when you were talking about that is that white folks, like, we have no sense of like a collective group of us. Like, not saying this is right, but we're just very individualistic. So it's like, well, I didn't enact slavery, and I didn't enact Jim Crow, and I didn't enact. Imperialism, Mm -hmm. so, so I'm not responsible for any of it. That's like, so it's not my job to fix the problems that my, you know, grandparents or great grandparents or whatever, uh, caused. And I guess to me, I mean, you are right. You did not personally do that. Um, But unfortunately, we're still standing on the foundation and contributing to it that's already been laid. Mm -hmm. So unless you're actively ripping that down, then yes, you are contributing. Mm -hmm. I guess that's that's, that's right.
2: Right. Yeah. The the individualistic narrative gets enlarged by that whole southern poor right Mm -hmm. Um, it goes from I to well we didn't own slaves Mm -hmm. so we aren't guilty as if they weren't part of the economic structures Mm -hmm. that sustained the slave trade right
0: Reminds me of a, of a line in Black Panther. Like, um, remember when, um, what's his, oh, Agent Martin, right? Was that, was that the gang? name of the, Yeah. Yeah. He uh, wakes up in Wakanda and uh, starts talking, and Shuri, um, T'Challa's sister, said, Don't scare me like that, colonizer. Yes. And everyone paused for a second in the theater, didn't know whether to laugh or not. And then Martin Freeman, who plays, um, plays the the character kind of gives this look like I'm that wasn't me yeah I think I think that speaks to what you were saying yeah totally yeah
1: for sure because he's like my name is whatever he's (laughs) like says his name and she's like I know
0: yeah (laughs) like and I'm thinking no. That wasn't a mistake on her part. I think that was a statement.
2: Oh, totally. I'm surprised everyone paused in silence in the <laughs> yeah. theater. I think everyone burst in the laughter. <laughs> yeah, it depends mine. on what theater you are <laughs> <imagine>. in. <laughs> I was in a theater of very uh, different makeup. And so everyone was laughing and saying amen or or preach it or some some kind of equivalent. Actually, Lucas went with me and yeah. I think we were both we were both uh, witness to a very grateful audience <laughs> yeah. when they heard that line. Really.
1: Yeah, well, I think he's an interesting he's an interesting character. Of course, we're gonna start with the white person. So great, okay, it's a it's a film full of black folks, <laughs> but we're starting <laughs> with typical. the white guy. We're starting with the white guy. Uh, anyway, spoiler oh. alerts as
0: well. Oh yeah, spoiler. Alert. I mean, it's been out for a while though, so and it's shame on, video, on you, if you. You better it. have seen
2: it. yeah,
1: it's out to rent at this point. <laughs> no right? spoiler
2: alerts. Just go, go to Redbox yeah. right now. Yeah.
1: Plus, this podcast is called Black Panther or something. It's gonna be in the title. So why you did you know click on this? Yes. Anyway, yeah, he's interesting um, for a couple of reasons. Uh, one, so he's probably like the only major character, right? Who's white? We've said that. Mm-hmm. to find my notes here. And the villain. Besides the other villain. Besides yeah, the minor villain. Yeah. Um, Klaus. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so he, he's interesting, I guess, because his. So the whole time, uh, Agent Ross, he's never like really in any real danger. Um, so like the scene at the end, right? The climax where everyone's like, you know, really. You know, all the arcs connect. Um, he's in a, like a, what is that, like a virtual reality plane? Mm-hmm, so right. he's not actually, like, in the fight. He's fighting for the cause, but he's not in any danger. And I guess I think that speaks to white folks mm-hmm. and, like, what we can do. So so we're in the fight and, you know, you know trying to do our best to help our brothers and sisters um, who are not white. But at the same time, we're not... Um, in the same danger that they are um, and we're not under the same systems of oppression Um, and I guess we can never we can't ever take that suffering on and we can't pretend like we do so I think that's an important uh, distinction to make I guess his one moment where, so like his big moment of the movie was where all of a sudden he was in danger and that that ship was like shooting at the glass, if everyone remembers. And his big moment, like literally his, basically his only moment in the movie was when he decided to stay and like stop the the ships from going, even despite he was now actually in danger. Hmm. So I guess that's where, like, if you really, if you really are serious about, uh, I guess, like championing the, um, the plight of the oppressed and helping their cause like it is going to cost you in the end. And if it's not costing you, you got to like think about what you're actually Mm -hmm. doing. And I guess, are you actually helping Uh, or is it just a a box to check so that you can feel Mm -hmm. good on social media uh, or whatever, you know, even just to massage your conscience? I get it. Lots of people, lots of people do. I have black friends. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think uh, you had mentioned it already, but being authentic about
0: that, I guess, Mm -hmm. um, because you can want to, um, you can want to align yourselves with your oppressed brothers and sisters so much mm. that you take on an identity that isn't really yours to take on, mm-hmm. right? So, for example, um, Asians are, you know, nicknamed the model minority. Um, we kind of keep our heads a lot down low and whatnot, and that's a whole another discussion about <laughs> the divide that that creates between other minorities. Yeah. Right. That's wild. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but for me, when I was this was a couple months ago, I was thinking of what it would look like for me as a minority to align myself with my African American brothers and sisters who who experienced much more oppression than I did. I mean, Filipinos were also called the N word in California, um, painted in blackface, and and experienced a lot of the a lot of similar. atrocities done to them, lynchings and stuff like that, but Mm -hmm. not to the same um, magnitude as Mm -hmm. African Americans. So in my aligning myself and allying myself with, you know, other minorities, particularly the African American community, Mm -hmm. I have to be careful not to say, oh, I know exactly how that feels, because
2: I I don't. Yeah, there's a great example of that. Uh, In grad school, I had a professor who's Korean American and uh, he showed when he showed up to the school as a professor, he was hired on, hired on his faculty, he was one, I think, of three minorities. Don't quote me on that, but it was a small amount. Mm-hmm. And he was uh, the only Asian American uh, minority on staff or faculty. And I'll never forget the uh, Korean students on campus and some of the other Asian students collected themselves, uh, wrote out a list of things they wanted him to advocate for mm-hmm. them, uh, approached them and said, "Hey, we would really we're really grateful that you're here." We're really excited that you can be our advocate. Here are some of the things that we're really looking forward um, to having your help in pursuing on this campus. And he told them that he would pray and think about it. And he tells a story in his classes. Um, he actually oversees something called Mosaic up at Trinity, um, which is a, a program that that works to uh, really pursue kind of a multicultural image of the church. Uh, but the point is, um, he gets together with the Korean students a few days later, and he says, actually, I can't do this. I won't be advocating for you because... Um, it's as a communal society, it's really just advocating for myself mm. and what I r- want to do instead is advocate for those that are actually other to me. Mm. And he uh, aligns himself then with the African American students on campus and when that, what ends up happening, which is quite beautiful, is in his advocacy for the African American student on campus, the Korean students are also mm. gaining some mm. of the things that they're yeah. pursuing, right? Yeah. And you start kind of creating a reconciliation even among mm-hmm minority groups which right. is a little surprising uh, yeah i don't mm-hmm. think he anticipated all that he ended up doing mm. despite mm. the fact that he initially caused a lot of friction right. with mm. his right. own community by doing that
0: that's interesting Well,
1: wow. yeah that's awesome i mean i guess that's it's the line between like allying and advocating versus like like overtaking or mm-hmm. uh i guess appropriating. appropriating i don't know if that I works in this word, yeah. right this spot but right because yeah. he
2: ne- it, to record's point he, he never did say you know, I understand the plight of right. the African-American you right. so He's saying that is actually uniquely other to mm-hmm. me, right? right? right. Um, or like even, so
0: like, <laughs> in our jobs, um, we've been in conversations with a lot of people, and in, in an effort to be empathetic to people, a lot of times we fall in the, into the trap of saying, oh, uh, I can imagine. Mm-hmm. And someone pointed it out to me, he's like, no, you, you can't imagine. Mm-hmm. The better thing to say is, I can't even imagine. So it's mm-hmm. like that difference between, um, yeah, yeah, like you were saying, allying yourself with and appropriating mm-hmm. um, the struggles of, of the minority, mm-hmm. of, of the other.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That brings up an interesting question that I've been meaning to ask. I guess it's uh, so for white folks who do want to help, as far as like, um, I guess so, like, for instance, I went to a Puerto Rican parade with Ricky this past weekend and it's kind of the th- like a uh, i don't know if awkward is the right thing to say but it's a interesting place to be where it's like how much do i engage with this to where it's like i'm celebrating you guys mm. but also like i know that i'm not like this isn't a thing for me you right know what i mean right am i allowed
2: to wear the flag right, the yeah, way exactly. everyone else in the crowd is wearing it yeah. can i wave it in the same way right. yeah th- those are mm. legitimate questions mm side note, you could totally rock the Puerto Rican flag okay. during the parade All everyone right. does <laughs> but but it is a fair question yeah. to ask right uh, to what degree am I um, really identifying with the group mm-hmm. that that I am advocating for mm-hmm. um, uh, that that's a difficult question to ask. Um, I don't know that I have a, a full answer as much as I have one that has to do with something like the CCDA, mm-hmm. the Christian Community Development Association. Uh, they got eight principles for the way in which they look to create Christian community. Mm-hmm. And, and one of them is uh, literal relocation, mm-hmm. uh, uh, having a, uh, a white person say, I'm going to go live among and within the same systems or mm-hmm. attempt to right. live with this, within the same systems as those. That I'm advocating for. Mm-hmm. Now, of course, there's a part of that, a degree to which that's impossible, right? Mm-hmm. Um, the systems are racialized, right. they have everything to do with the color of your skin. Right. And so, even if you moved into the projects, that doesn't, doesn't mean mm-hmm. you're living fully within right. them, right? And so, to a degree that that's impossible. However, there is uh, another element to that that which you start to which you start understanding truly, right, mm-hmm. and start seeing with with similar lens as those that you live around, right. Mm-hmm. And you also bring a level of your wealth. You redistribute a level of your wealth mm-hmm. um, to those that are around you simply by being present. Mm. Um, and I think that's that's part of the answer to that question, right? To what degree can I associate? Well, you can certainly associate by living with and among mm-hmm. those in which you're serving, mm-hmm. and and. Mm-hmm. We understand that pretty quickly when we think about outside missions. Not right. that we've done outside missions well, right? Not, certainly not one <laughs> to claim that the uh, American evangelical church has always done missions well. Mm-hmm. But, but that concept is readily accepted, right? When we think of missions, we think, yes, you would go live right. among those that you're right. advocating for. Just you right. would. It right. just makes sense when we start talking about reconciliation mm. here in the states mm. it all of a sudden is no why yeah, would i it's go there right <laughs> yeah. uh, there's something very different there right, and right. Um, i think it's an alarming. Cause, yeah because the idea
0: that we we all live in we all live in america right like no minorities live in a very different mm. america right. than exactly. the majority culture does exactly sure.
2: exactly and so the ccda really does push mm. um that is their first principle mm. uh, that that we would consider relocation Right. Um, that that would be that a, a legitimate step mm-hmm. toward. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, now that doesn't have to mean you. Just as a side note, I, I I'm not here pushing that every white person move into the projects, <laughs> right? Uh, we have a word for that. It's a very bad word. <laughs> Other people have very serious issues with it, and and, uh, and I think we all know what we're talking about when we say gentrification, right? Mm-hmm. That that's not what I'm advocating yeah. for mm-hmm. here, right? Um, but there's a sense to which you can start going to select grocery stores, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Um, I, I live about um, a mile in either direction to an Aldi, right? Mm-hmm. One is in a really nice area of Chicago, the other is in a not so hot neighborhood, mm-hmm. right? Uh, but I intentionally choose to go to the one mm-hmm. um, that is in an area of the, of the city that mm-hmm. isn't doing nearly as well, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I go there. I do my groceries there. I get to know people there. I go to the bank that's there, even though there's a bank also next to the other Aldi. Yeah. Right? like it's intentionally choosing to yeah. relocate, to yeah. redistribute, to be present with yeah. um, those that, that you're you're trying to get to know yeah. and be with. Right,
0: yeah. or even like so for me when I uh, when I used to drive into to work. For those of you who don't know, we're in the city of Chicago. I live in the suburbs. Um, and before I took the train what I would do is I'd, I would drive into the city you know an hour an hour 15 every morning um, and sometimes what I would do instead of taking the highway all the way in I would take the highway and then t- get off on the uh, on one of the one of these streets I would get off at Halstead yep and take Halstead all the way down and that'll take you through neighborhood after neighborhood after neighborhood and they're all very diverse yep all different poverty levels mm. now granted those were the kind of those were the kinds of environments that I had already grown up in because I, my mom would visit patients on the south side of Chicago already. So I was familiar with that. But it was that constant reminder of not everyone is living the same life as you. And right. even in the same city, on the same street, you know, granted however long you're driving on that street. Yeah,
2: but Halstead is a great example yeah. of the, the segregation,
1: the redlining mm-hmm. segregation. And you can that. see
0: it so starkly. Yeah. Once you get further north, it's just, yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah, it's a just, I mean, the previous place that I lived at in Bridgeport, literally, so the red line runs north and south in Chicago. And so the, the north side of Chicago is really nice for those who don't know. And then the south side is, I guess, not as nice and uh, is like more of a black neighborhood. And so I'd ride the red line south um, and like the, the stop I would get off at, which is Bridgeport. Is like literally people would like separate for me to go mm-hmm. to the door because they are like we know that you're not going any further south than, mm. than wow. this. Like this is literally your stop, mm-hmm. and so like I wouldn't even make a move to like leave, and already they're like, it's time for you to go. They just because they know. Yeah. yeah, they knew like this. This guy isn't going further south mm. than this. That's a it's funny. Cause I used to ride the red line. Yeah. As well, on the all the way down
0: to the end of it. Okay. Yeah. Um, and it would make a stop at Chinatown. And when I would ride
2: them, everyone, that, move out the way I everyone tent- would look at me oh, no. and it's like,
0: what's that guy doing still sitting?
1: Because <laughs> I had still like another 15, 20 minutes to go yeah. until the end of the line. Right. It just speaks to that. It's a very different city. I actually mm-hmm. read an article that like uh, it said... Um, an African American family whose average income is like a hundred thousand lives in the same neighborhood as a white person who's, uh, or like the same like type of neighborhood yeah. as far as like average sure. income yeah. as a white family like whose average income is thirty thousand. Mm. So it's very much so like the city is wow. it's like two different cities. Yeah. yeah, and we live in the same city.
2: Yeah, the red line's interesting. I know of a photographer who photographed the red line on every stop, mm. Um, mm. inside the train and outside. Yeah. All the way up and down it for three days, and then compiled the photos and published it just yeah, to show the the difference between the north and south side right. and the way in which people make assumptions about who gets
1: on and off. It, right. It's mm-hmm. quite quite the fascinating art art piece, mm. right? I mean, it kind of just points to we have a big mess in America, mm-hmm. and Chicago is kind of a good, I guess it's a good microcosm for the whole, yeah. you know, United States, mm-hmm. in the sense that. Not by law are things segregated, but they are segregated. Yeah. Um, and people who are supposed to be, you know, if we're talking in, like, like uh, terms of money or, like, economics, they're supposed to be, like, equal units, right? Mm-hmm. Like, one person should be one person. Right. Um, and so since, since like, they're, like, vastly different outcomes when you look at African-American uh, people versus, like, white people, uh, like, unless, like, you have to say a blatantly racist statement or else, it's a systemic issue. Like yeah. you have to say a statement like, uh, "African Americans don't work as hard." Like that's the statement you have to make unless you admit that it's a systemic right. issue. Yeah. And admitting it's a systemic issue is quite the struggle. Yeah, right. Exactly. So in,
0: it's so ingrained um, in our society. I took a class um, in I took an urban studies class um, mm-hmm. while I was at university at UIC, and um, we studied just how the city, how the city of Chicago in particular was formed where all the minorities uh, would move further and further out and outside of the nicer parts of town until you get areas like the south side of Chicago. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, obviously like the white flight, right? Everyone rush into the suburbs because, oh no, the minorities are filling the cities, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. So going back to what, like your question, Luke, of what can white people do, mm-hmm. stay put, you know? Yeah. One of the stay big present thi- in the city. Yeah, yeah. stay put. like this was this became very real for me because growing up i would hear talks of oh this area is becoming a bad area mm-hmm. what that meant is the a lot of african americans and, and other minorities were moving right. into the area right. and all of a sudden you saw this huge exodus of caucasians moving into different mm-hmm. suburbs usually moving out further further west mm-hmm. or something like that um, that's why you have the nicer neighborhoods and then when you move further west you hear talk of oh this area used to be a lot safer or used Mm. to be a lot better, that sort of thing. And it, it, yeah. So one of the big, yeah. One of the big ways to help out is just stay put. Mm Yeah.
1: You know, I mean, that kind of speaks, I'll bring it back a little bit to the, to Black Panther as we're talking. I mean, that's kind of like the big struggle, but like of the movie, especially between like the, uh, T'Chaka, T'Challa's dad. So the previous Mm -hmm. Black Panther, uh, in Unjobu, Unjobu, is that his name? Yeah, yeah. his uncle. His uncle uh, is like, Do we? So, we obviously have all the resources Wakanda does. I think it's Ricky, you made the point like the genius of Black Panther is they put Wakanda in the position of white people. Yep. That's like, that's where. Yeah. Like that. mm-hmm. oh, go ahead. It's a foil, right? Yeah. They, made, they made a,
2: a economically powerful, mm. um, politically sound society. That is black, mm-hmm. and then made that the place of privilege, mm-hmm. um, and then highlighted that that the pr- place of privilege has a role, a um, a responsibility even mm-hmm. um, to those who are suffering. Mm-hmm. And so it was an interesting foil to American society to mm-hmm. to completely flip the narrative, right? And say the place of privilege still has a role to those who who are um, who are underresourced, who are right. poor, right? right? Um, And so I I love uh, Andy Crouch talks about um, in his book, Playing God, Redeeming the Gift of Power. He uh, he talks about the definition of poverty as being um, disconnected from relationships. Mm -hmm. Um, And and so there's relationships that can be forged by way of a certain economic prowess, right? You can move further, you Mm -hmm. can interact more as you have more economic wealth, Mm -hmm. right? And so I, I like that definition because that's the idea, right? Wakanda. The place of privilege mm-hmm. uh, the the african-americans the Compton are cut off mm-hmm. from wakanda right they're poor because literally. they're cut from that relationship right and so um when we talk about america and the way in which it's built right the the places of economic wealth are literally bounded off right mm-hmm. they, they have boundaries suburban walls mm-hmm. subdivisions mm-hmm. exurbs gated, those things, communities, they, gated right. communities that they're bounded off they're cutting relationship off mm-hmm. um To say here's the limits of where our wealth will go Mm -hmm. Um, and so to your point about staying put right it's that idea of no i'm going to stay connected to and continue to build relationship with those Mm -hmm. that are impoverished because poverty is a disconnection of those relationships Mm -hmm. that can foster flourishing and wealth
1: Also kind of another thing that that brought up while you're talking about that is like the relationship piece. Uh, It's been like, they've done like psychology studies about um, like a person's, what is it, EQ? So emotional intelligence. And uh, people who are in like poor situations have like way higher EQs than people who are in powerful situations just because they have to have that. Like they need to be able to connect with people well in order to survive. Mm -hmm. So that's like another element that adds is that probably white folks in their position of power that they hold, they have a less high EQ because they don't need to connect to people in order to survive. So it's kind of another, it's, it's like an added like hurdle that has to be overcome, I guess, maybe like only by the gospel or like by Christ, hopefully uh, to like, I guess get over your, like, we know that us white folks don't need to reach out and connect to people. Um, But I guess hopefully We want to, I guess, and hopefully, like, because of Christ, we will.
2: Yeah. So yeah, it's
1: an interesting that just popped into my head while you're talking about the like poverty as cut off of relationships.
2: Yeah, and and there's a way to do that, right? Mm -hmm. So the one thing that's interesting about uh, the Black Panther movie is that while there are many, many ways, and we we haven't even talked about all of them, not even close yet, Mm -hmm. but there are so many ways in which that reimagines. Um, the place of the African-American in society or, or the black person in society, mm-hmm. right? Uh, to use those racialized terms, right? Because at the end of the day, Wakanda is an African mm-hmm. country, right? So we're not talking about the African-American directly mm-hmm. in, in that film. Uh, but there are many ways in which it re- reimagines and re-envisions the place of the black person in mm-hmm. society. But fundamentally, the movie is still an American product. And mm-hmm. so the end solution proposed mm-hmm. is still an American one that... that might not be functional mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. so so at the end of the day what T'Challa does is he sets up shop in the middle of Compton and says I bought this building that building that building that he just buys off sections mm-hmm. of it and says I'm going to redevelop them and right. set up a, a you know a, a facility for health and those kind of things mm-hmm. uh, which is which has very much been sort of the way in which mm-hmm. the church has said oh yeah we'll just send yeah. out resources right Set right. them up there, and that'll be it. And mm-hmm. and so at the end of the day, uh, Black Panther still proposes a solution that isn't necessarily <laughs> relational, right, right? Yeah, right. Sure. Not yeah. at least not direct. Mm-hmm. And so um, now there are ways I- I'd love to see a sequel and see mm-hmm. if right. it's yeah. set more in the Compton side of things. It right, right. might be different, but but at least as the solution was proposed at the end of the film, mm. it's very. Um, Mm top-down, right? It's very Mm -hmm. Wakanda still sending its resources to and just providing the resources as opposed to engaging in Mm -hmm. the kind of relationship that brings flourishing.
1: Yeah, 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 absolutely. And it seems like the one who's pushing that, Nakia, she was the one who's like over it. So she's like the only one who is actually going there. Yeah, she's actually engaged in a relationship. I have to give credit to my good friend, Kristen Fort. Um, She's a professor at
2: Wheaton. She's actually the one who made that observation Mm. and noted Um, that really the solution is still the American solution.
1: Right, right. right. Yeah, for sure. Hmm. And I guess, yeah, so that's, I guess, to me, that the movie is separated a little bit into two questions. So there's the question for white people and then the question for black people or African-American. I guess it kind of extends to black people just because generally around the world. Um, And so that that question to white people is personified in uh, uh, T'Chaka and in Jobu um with that are we going to you know hold our resources to ourself and be safe or are we going to potentially like move towards like what you're saying move towards i guess um the oppressed and then therefore not necessarily be as safe and that kind of right. what we were talking about earlier with staying put mm-hmm. or you know being surrounded that obviously comes with a level of insecurity mm-hmm. and i i mean. I can imagine telling my mom to move into Humble Park and, or even west of there. <laughs> yeah. And uh, that would, you know, there's no way that she would do that. Yeah. So I guess there's like a level, and I guess that's the, back to Agent Ross. Like, it, if you really want to fight for it, there's, there's probably going to be some sacrifice yeah. involved. It'll cost you something, right? Yes. Yeah.
0: I mean, I, I kind of use this illustration in a sermon, but like, if, if we as Christians in particular are called to carry the cross, we shouldn't be surprised when we get splinters on our backs. Right. Mm. So it'll bring pain, mm. whether from I like that, you know, from external or internal sources, because uh, it co- could very well. Obviously, it might come from our own circles, our families right, mm. who, who just can't understand like, why are you moving in this neighborhood? I yeah, don't the get friction it. of that. totally. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But then it could also come from that neighborhood itself. Like, what are you doing? You're an outsider. Right. right? That sort of thing. And so there are. There are multiple walls that need to be torn down, uh, when it comes to this type of, uh,
1: when this, when it comes to this type of work, because mm. it is work. Yeah, you know, you know absolutely. Yeah, for sure. Uh, and then maybe so. So that's the first question we're talking about for white folks. Mm-hmm. And then I guess I think the like the main question of the movie is between the the protagonist and the antagonist. So T'Challa and Killmonger is like. Uh, I guess the response that black folks should have or African Americans should have to this issue. And I guess to me, if, if this movie was made by white people, I'd be like, typical, typical movie made by white people mm-hmm. where the. Because, I mean, that's what. So T'Challa is championing like mercy, right? Like, and Killmonger is not wrong. He's just championing like justice. So let's like, let's, like pay it back, you know right. what I mean, uh, to our oppressors. And obviously, in the end, like, T'Challa wins. And so if it was made by white folks, I'd be like, typical white folk movie. Like, mm-hmm. great. Yeah, yeah, you guys should show us mercy. <laughs> but I guess uh, since it is, it's made by a black director, like a fully black cast, I guess I respect it more because they actually want to align themselves, like, let's say, like with the heritage of MLK. Yeah. Uh, yeah, go ahead.
2: Sorry, I-, I didn't mean to interrupt. No, but, that's it. Uh, I wonder if that's entirely true. Uh, mm-hmm. T'Challa is championing his father's position originally, mm-hmm. right? right? Complete s- separation, right. Mm-hmm. distance, disconnection mm-hmm. from the rest of the outside world, right? right? It's Nakia who ultimately right. is right. promoting a kind of mercy involvement right. in relationship. Right. So T'Challa is somewhere between Killmonger and... Mm-hmm. Uh, is it Nakia? Is that the, the name of his? i sure that's, his, um, that's name, the... Uh... Um, his uh, bride to be, yeah, I hope. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Nakia. Um, yeah. And so you have Nakia, who is, you know, out in 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 Africa working with mm-hmm. refugees. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, that's how she's that, introduced in the right, film, right? The, the The solution at the end of the movie is is a product of her ideas, her mm-hmm. influence, right. right? She deserves all the credit in the world for being mm-hmm. the one of sound mind. Yeah. In, in in the governmental system of Wakanda, yeah, sure. uh, whereas Killmonger is advocating for something similar, right? In mm-hmm. some sense, mm-hmm. Killmonger, uh, the real debate is whether or not uh, Killmonger <laughs> or Nakia are going to end up producing the right. results right uh, mm-hmm. they both want the same result yeah mm-hmm. the question is how and how methodology yeah method mm-hmm. yeah exactly methodology how are we going to pursue right um the same exact end right yeah. they both want to provide resources mm-hmm. uh, and then T'Challa ends up figuring out a way of recasting that vision right. to say okay I won't be a separatist king mm-hmm. um, I'll be involved and, mm-hmm.
1: and and do exactly what Nakia has been advocating for right. And that's his big moment, right? Is when he's in that ancestral plane mm-hmm. and he meets with all, all the separatist kings before him and he says, You're all wrong. Yeah, you're all wrong. So that's like his big, it's I guess, transformation. Yeah, yeah. 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 That's interesting. Well, yeah, I mean, if we want, unless there's anything else to say about that. Oh, one thing that I do want to say is uh, so the Claw, the, I don't know, what's his name? Klaus. Ulysses? Yep, Ulysses. Claw, mm-hmm. Klaus, yeah. Claw. Claw, yeah. So, yeah, it's, I guess it's interesting to me that he just, like, gets killed off pretty early. And it's kind of like, hey, you, like, bigot guy who, like, mm-hmm. doesn't respect anyone. Like, you're not what we're dealing mm-hmm. with. Yeah. Like, so, I guess the, the movie assumes that you believe, like, outright racism right. is wrong. So, that's, we're not talking, I guess, I don't think this podcast is we should condemn KKK members and neo-Nazis, but that's not, that's not what we're talking about right, right now. Uh, it's, it's a more, I more guess, nuanced. yeah, more nuanced mm-hmm. and complex, uh, and maybe, uh, uh like devious or it, yeah. it's it devious. seems, it seems good what people are doing, but really yeah. there's like some underlying, yeah, underlying yeah. issues, I guess. Um, so, I mean, that's kind of the last thing I have about the movie. Do we want to yeah. talk about, I guess, like, like the reception. So mm-hmm. maybe like reception by different groups of people, yeah. Um, I mean, one, it broke box office records. Right. So it, was it number five or number seven or Like something? beat like out that? Titanic. Yeah. Right. So obviously yeah. wildly successful. Right. And in this world, money talks. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, we can assume we'll get more yeah. of those type of movies. Right. I mean, they've
0: already started with Crazy Rich Asians, which is like the first movie with um, Asian leads. And in addition to that, like Black Panther and all or similar to Black Panther, uh, an all Asian cast since like the Joy Luck Club, which was released in 1993. That's 25 years. And Black Panther, I think, kind of paved the way for that. Um, Yeah. So hopefully, like you said, it kind of opens up more of those avenues where it's not a very, dare I say, whitewashed um, Mm -hmm. culture and entertainment.
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. That's an important narrative. I think the conversation uh, continues to need uh, need revision, right? In terms of how we think of history, resources, how we think of our own identity, what does it mean to be American? Mm-hmm. Um, th- those are the things that need to continue to be reconsidered. And I think uh, I think Black Panther was a real good subversive first step, right? Mm-hmm. Our first subversive strike at that. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, you know, I had several friends in terms of your question of how was it received. Mm-hmm. Um, I had several friends who said, "I don't want to watch that; it's too political, right?" Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, mm-hmm. uh, I think there's that's gonna happen for a while mm-hmm. as these yeah. kinds of movies continue to be produced. Yeah. Um, but the idea is, right? What's the best way to present a new way of doing things in story, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, we can't do overt political right. action, right? Because yeah. that's too, to your point, it's mm-hmm. too Malcolm X, right? right. Mm-hmm. But but uh, and we also can't stand up as pacifists and just mm-hmm. speak right. out on the streets. Yeah but we can tell stories, right? Mm-hmm. That that should be better yeah. received.
0: I think it's there's something poetic about it where, I, I talked about Birth of a Nation yeah. earlier, how that kind of cemented the idea of the dangerous African American, the dangerous minority in, in the minds of white people. I think there's something beautifully poetic about the possibility that it's cinema that undoes that.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, there, there's that, uh, speaking of poetic, I forget which uh, poet it is, but the idea of to tell it slant to make sure that you're um, saying it in a way that's subtle, indirect, but still strikes at right. the truth. Mm. Um, I forget which poet that is, but, but it's, it's a mantra among, mm-hmm. Eugene Peterson uses it, it's the okay. title of one of his, his books, mm. um, but it's, it's a line from a poem um, to tell it slant, to ensure yeah. Yeah. that, and it, Eugene Peterson's argument is that, you know, that Jesus did this all the time, right? Mm. That the mm-hmm. parables are a slanted way mm-hmm. at saying uh, saying exactly what he meant mm-hmm. right, availing it and so mm-hmm. I think uh, in terms of the reception right as the first one it still receives some of the brunt all oh, mm-hmm. the movies too political but the hope is as we continue to tell these stories we reimagine the world mm-hmm.
1: yeah yeah absolutely I mean that's what I would say this movie is definitely what you're saying that slant I mean yeah. like we were saying it, it contains itself in a narrative it never preaches at you right but it like it gets the point across which I think. I mean that's that's kinda how you gotta do it, mm-hmm. I guess. Like unfortunately, I guess to me it's sad to hear you can't stand up like Malcolm X and you can't stand up like <laughs> okay because yeah. it doesn't work. Mm-hmm. Like that's sad to hear. Yeah. yeah. Um but I guess I mean And it's not that you can't, right?
2: There's right. some that are doing it. Mm-hmm. Right. However, um we need all of the methods, right, right? right? right, right. We yeah. need we need those who are going to be mm-hmm out front, very yeah. active. We need those who are going to be speaking and engaging in lobby mm-hmm. efforts. Yeah. We're going to need those that are telling good stories. Yeah. right? To change the world, we need as many of those methods as possible. Right. Side mm-hmm. note, it's Emily Dickinson who ah. uh, wrote the poem uh, Tell All the Truth, But mm. Tell It Slant. Oof. I
1: like that. I do like that. Tell, tell it right slant. Go that's going to be my saying. For <laughs> <the time. laughs> yeah, tell it slant. Yeah, yeah That's good.
0: Yeah. I had a pastor friend uh, ask me, um, uh, particularly when all the stuff with Ferguson was happening. It's like, man, I kind of want to address it from the pulpit. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I feel like my voice is just going to get drowned out because everyone's already talking about it. In, in, in his mind, it was one of those things where it should be a done issue. And I completely agreed with him. It mm-hmm. should be a done issue, but it's not mm-hmm. right. So I encourage them. No, you speak it from the pulpit incessantly, constantly. Mm-hmm. Um, for two reasons right so first is um, yeah again it's not a done issue it needs to stay at the forefront of people's minds that um, America is not as pure as you think it is Um, but then number two for the minorities in your congregation to hear their pastor speak up with a gospel foundation that he is condemning racism in all its forms explicit or implicit does something to their spirit yeah because mm-hmm. they already feel out of place mm-hmm. right unless it's a minority church
2: right
1: mm-hmm. well right. yeah the new york times i read an article it's called the quiet exodus why black worshipers are leaving white evangelical churches and it's because their pastors don't say anything mm-hmm. so they feel so disconnected right. like how can you yeah. like when you don't say anything after something like charleston or wait Charlottesville, sorry. Charlottesville, yeah. a different thing. But like when Charlottesville happens mm-hmm. and you don't say anything, it's like how can I worship alongside of these right. people when like they don't like they don't even know what's going yeah. on yeah. or they at least pretend like they don't. Yeah, they're blind to my plight. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 So yeah, I think, I guess my thing is if you're a pastor, like this should be a thing that you talk mm-hmm. about all the time. Yeah. Um, even, especially if you're at a mostly white church. I think mm-hmm. it should even, if you're a white pastor of a white church, I think you should always be saying these things anyway, <laughs> but that I guess kind of, um, transitioning from that kind of, I guess the wrapping it up a little bit, uh, I guess. So what's like the church's call when it comes to this, like, where, where do we go? We, we said a few like individual ways of moving in to different things, uh, moving into like, you know, uh, not as well off neighborhoods and that kind of thing. Uh, but I guess as far as like within the church, uh, I mean, what are some things that churches can do—white churches uh, or like uh, multi-ethnic churches? I guess where do we go from there? I think to
0: to what you were saying, Ricky. It's um, I sometimes don't like the idea of short-term missions trips, or like I've known a couple churches who do missions trips to the inner city.
1: Mm-hmm. It's like yes, very uncomfortable.
0: My church is.
2: My church is one of the churches that receives those short transmission trips and it's always made me uncomfortable. I've been
0: on the giving end of those things. Yeah. It's like I don't know how I feel about this. <laughs> totally. Can we stop making it seem like these you know, quote unquote urban churches, inner city churches, are a mission field and instead partner with them. Yeah right kind of like what you're saying stop sending just resources but let's live out this gospel that we believe in that we claim to Mm. you know believe in the same thing let's live that out together
2: absolutely i've said this before but the egyptians need the exodus too right Mm. it's a it's a multi-ethnic group that ends up leaving Mm -hmm. egypt Mm -hmm. right it says that uh, egyptians ended up leaving alongside israel right Mm -hmm. and so when we frame the the conversation as a very exodus style conversation right where the oppressed Israel is synonymous with the oppressed here in the States, mm-hmm. right? We, we have to remember that, you know, the the white savior motif isn't going to work, mm-hmm. right? That that, mm-hmm. um, that those who are in positions of power, the Egyptians, also need to be brought out of that system right. because mm-hmm. that system is damaging to them yeah, too. Right, right. Um, to your point, right, we, we need to re- reconsider this motif that we, we step into the city yeah. as somehow saviors or mm-hmm. contributors to... Um, in that way, and then reconsider our our um, way of understanding of who we are, yeah. right, as, as the church, particularly the majority church, yeah. uh, majority evangelical culture, right, reconsider their own role mm-hmm. as genuinely a part of the same yeah. community, right, as, as part of the redeemed, mm-hmm. part of those that have been brought out in the exodus. Right. And if that is true, right, if that's true that all of us then have been brought out of of the systems of egypt Mm -hmm. right then we can imagine community together Mm -hmm. different than anything that's ever been
1: seen yeah yeah. Um, and i think that's the important part yeah absolutely i have nothing to add to that That was great (laughs) uh science mike once said uh this this like our system destroys black bodies but it also destroys white souls Mm -hmm. so it's like that Yeah. yeah like this isn't this is an issue for us just as much or more so you know, as it is for everyone else. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so yeah, Ricky, thanks for joining us. Today. Glad to
0: be here with you guys. Really appreciate it. Hopefully it's Definitely not last it. <laughs> really sure the last time. I sure hope first of many. Yeah. I sure hope so. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, And you, the listener, thanks for, for tuning in. Thanks for listening. Go ahead and rate, comment, um, uh, ask questions, and subscribe to our podcast. Uh, again, we're going to link our website to the podcast description uh, or the episode description. Uh, and uh, yeah. This has been Questions from the Pew. I'm Reichert Zalameta.
1: I'm Lucas Manning. We'll see you later.